welcome everyone to the next instalment of the Gig CX Decoded podcast and uh, I'm broadcasting today from a new location which is my mum's podcast studio which has um, been specially put up just for me but hopefully the uh, the audio will still be good. So this is the podcast where um, we get to explore a bit more about this wonderful world of Gig CX and go into more detail depths and get other perspectives on, on the show. Um, I'm your host, I'm Chris Dumpleton, and I've got the pleasure of running the, the sales marketing ship here at uh, the Good Ship Limitless. Um, today we've got a, a slight change as well. Last time we had one of our customers, this time we thought we'd keep it even closer to the family and we'd bring on one of our staff members, <laughs> uh, not just any staff member, we've got we've got Ian on. So Ian Regan, say hi. Lovely to have you on the show. Morning, everyone. Morning. Hello, everyone. Hello. Here we go. Morning, afternoon. So where, where are you coming from? today i'm in a hotel room in seattle currently in, yeah so pr proper glamorous locations that we are yeah, weather's as bad as the uk and li let's do some weather chat so it's now <laughs> raining and and windy right now and what have you got it's almost the same here as well that's why i got the blind shut because it's horrible <laughs> out there <laughs> oh my god i love the weather chat it's just one of those stalwarts of english chit chat isn't it there we go um so we are going to i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions um and the reason why we're bringing you on in as opposed to anyone else um is that you just joined limitless a couple of months ago um which is a great time to ask you some of the killer questions because you've been you, you come in and had the whole crikey this is what gig is all about and this is what our customers are saying but before we do that just want to just uh, explain you know, who you are, what you do here, and and also if we can ask you a couple of questions about your uh, your experience as well to set the scene. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought I was coming on here for my looks and sparkling personality, but I'll really? try and give you some some content to uh, to back that up. Um, yeah, Ian Regan, uh, I joined Limitless uh, start of September uh, this year as Chief Customer Officer. So what does that mean? It means I'm Robin to Chris's Batman. Uh, he's out there, you know, getting those new customers. He's out there, you know, winning them and you know, convincing them on the value and the, the benefit of Gig CX, which he and his team have done so fantastically over the last few years. Uh, those customers then then come into my area of the business. Uh, we're a customer success function, so we're here to make sure not only customers, yeah, you know, adopt the, the the service initially um, and realize value from it, and it takes mm. their business cases and delivers what they expected it to deliver, but also the fact that we can improve provide insight and innovate on an ongoing basis as well. We develop what is from a, you know, typically a vendor relationship initially, you know, testing something out, uh, seeing how Gig CX with Limitless works through to something that's more strategic, something that's, you know, more impactful for both organizations mm. uh, and ultimately allows both businesses and the people within those businesses to be bathed in the glow of success around, uh, around the partnership. Well, there we go. Well, that's that's really it. And tell us about your history. So this, yeah, yeah, I don't this, think this is your first ever job, right? I think you've done it. You've done other it, jobs. I, I do look that young, Chris. Thanks yeah, for saying. Yeah, I did want yeah. to just call that out straight out of college. <laughs> um, no, but a little, a few miles on the clock, so to speak. Um, and I, uh, unlike lots of people in industry, didn't have a wonderful planned career. I left university without a clue of what to do. Um, and I went to university in a town that had a big call center. And I went and worked there, <laughs> uh, mainly initially to get some money. Um, but then I, I sort of saw an industry that was, this is mid 90s, I, th I thought mm. was going places. Um, the traditional way of delivering service was changing. Um, you know, you had those very early adopters around sort of, you know, telephone service. Um, and I saw the importance. I also saw the fact that as businesses were scaling and their service operations were scaling, they couldn't do all that themselves. 
Um, so, you know, sort of outsourcers and, and BPOs and partners, um, we're always going to play an ever increasingly important role from a cost, flexibility, innovation, you know, sort of uh, sort of operating model perspective. Um, worked for, for a large American outsourcer for about five years, uh, did a bit of consulting. Uh, and then I spent 12 years sort of riding the wave of offshoring. Um, so mm. all those sort of headlines in the early noughties about jobs mm. going to India, you know, that, that was me, sorry, governor. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, work with, with lots of big businesses as they start to what is now, you know, gone away from sort of, you know, white right wing tabloid rhetoric about job losses to, you know, businesses that now realize, you know, the world's a global economy. You've got global operating models, you've got skills and capabilities in lots of different regions. And you need to be able to leverage those. So I spent mm. 12 years helping build a business. Um, it was about $8 million when I started. I left when it was about half a billion um, and was sort of successful in doing that. Um, I then uh, sort of took a bit of a segue out of, of CX for the last seven years. Um, and I worked for a SaaS-based uh, payment security business um, and uh, still sort of with a foot in the contact center world, um, but actually working into and working through channel partners. Um, and working into a lot of the big CCAS providers, the Genesis is the Avias, Mitels of this world, et cetera, and a lot of their reseller community, where I first came across a young Chris Dumpleton many years ago. Um, and um, and that's given me a different perspective. It's given me an understanding of the technology layer. It's given me an understanding of what sort of AI, the role AI is playing, the role, you know, automation tools are playing, you know, the role that the general move to cloud is playing in the whole, you know, CCAS and, and CX delivery model of the 21st century. Um, and I uh, got to a point after selling that business where um was looking for the next adventure. Knew mm. uh, you, you what a great guy you were and how wonderful you were at what you did. Um, mm -hmm. as well as um as well as obviously knowing knowing our founders well over a number of years, as well as sort of keyboard members, and it just felt like a business that was going places, mm. uh, a disruptive model in uh in an industry that I think needs some disruption. Yeah. Um, and uh, felt like an opportunity for me to come in and, and join and make an impact, hopefully. There you go. Well, you've been uh, welcome with open arms, hopefully. So, well, you know, there's a great you know, um, coverage, really, because your first ever job was in a contact centre. So yeah. there was young Ian with his headphones on. Yeah. Uh, then you moved into the world of contact centres in terms and then did do all of the offshoring um, and outsourcing, then into technology still involved in it so you've had three different perspectives over it and um that's what that's the thing i love about this industry is everyone can relate to it you know we, if we because we're all customers of brands so everyone gets the things that we're trying to do you know genuinely because we can all appreciate it from our own perspectives as well and i don't know about you i was you it's one of those things when you uh when you when you're in this world and then you encounter bad customer service or bad yeah technology and stuff it, it just infuriates you doesn't it? you think why can't why isn't that why do they still do that in this world and i'm often <laughs> often saying phrases like that but anyway so there we go so there's your background fantastic and it's, it's absolutely great to have you on um on the ship as well so we uh so first question really is about um and, and this is a good time in fact i've got two questions for you the, the first one is um what do you see are the big challenges in the customer experience industry right now and then yeah. the second one which is teed up nicely is how do you think GeekCX plays a role within that based upon your now massive experience of two months in and oh, yeah. um, how are you how are you expert, seeing it expert, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. um yeah no, no problem I mean I um yeah, growing up in the northeast uh, as a kid um I uh, used to have a very fast impenetrable accent 
I've now just got a very fast accent. Um, it's slightly <laughs> more. Tell you from the north. Slightly more penetrable. Uh, sort of slightly, slightly, slightly more understandable than perhaps when I was eighteen and uh, and initially le leaving Newcastle. Um, I, I mean, my, my my view on it is, I think I think the CX, the CX industry and the challenge it is facing now, are broadly the same challenges that it faced twenty five years ago. Right. I'd love to say things have radically changed. I think things have got a lot more complex. Mm. Technology, you know, um, at the tools that are available. Um, but if I look at the the fundamental problem around the fact that we are still broadly taking a young workforce into a complex, highly metricized environment, mm. asking them to work not particularly palatable hours, um, you know, and offshore, you know, lots of colleagues and mm. you know, lots of um, ex-colleagues and friends in, in different locations that you know, had to work night shifts, their careers and all of this sort of stuff has, has an impact. Um, and if, you know, what does that lead to? It leads to burnout, it leads to attrition, you know, things like mental health, you know, uh, finally getting the, the sort of uh, the headlines they need. Because people recognise, yeah, you, you go and do a job to pay, you know, pay your house and family and everything else and your lifestyle, but that can't be to the detriment of of you know you, you, who you are as a person and what you believe in and what you stand for and ultimately your sort of health and well being. So I think a lot of the fundamentals of the industry are still the same. Um, I think interestingly, uh, COVID has been a bit of an enabler for the CX industry. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what happened over the last 10, 15 years, there's lots of people out there talking about work at home models, that Waha model. Mm. I think it gained some traction in the US just because of the sheer geographical distances. But if you look at UK, Europe, you know, sort of the, the Asian hotspots like India and the Philippines, um, even places like South Africa and a lot of the emerging sort of African CX sort of locations, they were still very much bricks and mortar shops. Um, and I think what what COVID did, whilst you know, no no one wanted it and it had a horrible impact on lots of people's lives, um, what it has done from a business perspective is it's I think demonstrated the fact that there's a different way of working, mm. um, and I think that has absolutely. If you read a lot of the reports, a lot of the, the sort of big BPOs pump out about you know what a great job they're doing and how sort of friendly and you know employee focused they are, etc. As these gigantic organisations that you know sort of employ hundreds of thousands of people, um, they. But a lot of the feedback they're getting and a lot of the reports I've seen of saying people want to work from home, people enjoy the flexibility. I mean, it fundamentally helps in the CX environment. You know, the classic M peak of a peak in the morning when people used mm. to open their letters. I think my letters come like mid-afternoon now if they ever arrive. Um, and then sort of when people get back from work in the evening as well, you know, staffing those peaks is, is almost impossible. And hence you get the whole, we're experiencing terribly high call volumes which, by the way, I only ever seem to hear on every IVR or ever contact nowadays as a business. I mean, it's endemic across the industry. Um, and I, I will come on to that a little later as it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Um, and, and I look at that and the, the industry's evolved hugely, but a lot of the problems the industry had are still absolutely front and centre of the problems the industry has today. There's just a truckload more complexity. Um, in addition, a lot of the perhaps retail outlets that customers may have historically mm. gone to to get resolution, they've disappeared. Mm. I mean, the, the, the high street's been a bloodbath, as, as everyone knows. Mm. So the, the, the contact centre, the CX environment, you know, that really is the, 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 the window for the, for the brand. And it is often where most, org most organisations only ever speak to their customers in that way nowadays. Mm. Um, obviously, they'll do the usual marketing broadcast messaging that we all get bombarded with. 
but often the only type of truly personalized experience they get is is in that cx environment and you know there's a proliferation of channels platforms tools you know ai tools in front of the agent ai tools behind the agent you know but still you know everyone maniacally focused on outcomes mm. um, customers diving between channels to try and get resolution quicker always while volumes you know continue from what i can see to increase mm. um, i think as much as any business automates they throw additional complexity into the into the hopper with the new stuff they're launching and the new marketing activity they're doing so from that perspective you know i see a lot of a lot of the, the fundamental challenges and headwinds, some tailwinds the industry has as well as, as being pretty consistent in what I've seen over the last 25 years. And that's why I think things like um, Limitless and things like GigCX and a fundamentally different operating model that provides true flexibility really does allow people to be masters of their own destiny, you know, come in and come out when they want to mm. um, and supplement income or work around, you know, sort of other uh, mm. things they have going on in their lives. That for me is, I think, the game changer. And that's why Limitless is an interesting business for me. And that's why the whole model for me has a fundamental capability to, to supplement and start to really shift how CX is delivered in the modern age. Yeah, so there's some great stuff in there around the, firstly, um, I completely agree, COVID is, you know, whilst it was um, a massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah no one enjoyed it. it. We all hated it, yeah. It was it was a big circuit breaker for society as well as yeah. for a lot of these things. And then, um, first, I've never heard of Waha model. That's the first time I've ever heard that yeah. phraseology. Waha's so, been around for a while, yeah. I'll, I'll adopt that one. It makes me sound cool. Um, is the so I've always you know, talked about this thing where historically you you got the people and you brought them to work. Yeah. And then with the advent of work, of, of, sorry, Waha models, you could then take the work to the people because you can yeah. broadcast the work out. But I think GigCX goes that next step on, which is, okay, you, you now, so uh, stage, stage one, bring, bring the people to the work and work them really hard. Stage two, take the work to the people by allowing them to work from home, but they still have to work in a very similar way. Gig is take the work to people and allow them to work when they want to work. Yeah, And that's the next evolution of this whole model. That's the one where you see brains exploding because you've people have been in this industry for 30 40 years it's always ever been the same sort of thing you, yeah. you, whether the bricks and mortars are physical or they're virtual there's still the same concepts around it um allowing people to come in and go as they please is an area where because the world has become because the contact center world is was so like you say metricized and it was so rigid yeah. Yeah. and focused on outcomes because the 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 economics don't allow for fat they don't allow for an abundance of staff when you don't need them because contact centers let's face it are cost centers they're there to mop up contacts that ideally wouldn't ever arise but they have to arise because there's people have been selling things so they get typically get given a budget on the basis of what's been sold so dealing with it as efficiently as possible makes sense but what that creates is that environment where you want people to be as optimized as possible and we all know that the the you know the the issues that that's created the gig just changes all of that then it and it allows this sort of yeah you know, ability for people to come and go as you please and like you said which is they can either top up an income yeah or they can fit it around their other uh priorities in life yeah and and, and that's that's the game changer because that is the thing that 
changes the the whole previous model puts on its head yeah and I, I still see the industry chasing its tail mm. it's constantly you know losing people from the bottom of the funnel because they're burnt out and tired and you know all that sort of stuff and i'm sure the advent of working from home has probably brought attrition rates down a bit mm. um but yeah still as that employee of that business you know, you're still in a position where you know you yeah, those expectations are there. You know, you're there to do a job. You know, as we all know, we're all employed. We all have objectives and targets and all those sort of things. And I mean, that's that's a tough thing to get your head around when you're at a sort of certain stage of your career. Um, as I said, particularly if you work in horribly unpalatable hours and it's impacting your social life and everything else mm. you've got to do. Um, I and I'm sure the sort of attrition levels have dropped, but you know, all the big BPO still report crazy numbers and you wonder why they they struggle to get consistency of experience because you know as you said they're, they're run as very tight operations and that's you know customers getting very sophisticated in how they source but um you know for me what I mean I, there's, a, there's a few things here around this sort of gig economy and I know it gets it gets battered you know because of the perceptions around Uber Uber I mean you know there's still a lot of people out there driving for Uber and Bolt and Lyft and all that sort of stuff and I, I don't think anyone's forcing them to do it and they, they clearly make a good salary it's flexible and all that sort of stuff and if I look at what what we enable people to do is we enable them to, to to manage their own health, their own well-being. We allow them to dive in there. We allow them to do what they want to do, work as hard as they want to work, and then naturally, you know, take their own, make their own choice around yep. when they want to disengage. And it's about empowering people, in my opinion, um, and it's about putting control back in, you know, an employee's hands rather than the sort of faceless corporate conglomerate. Mm. Um, and I think from that perspective, that's really where, you know, we know and we can make sure that you know people are able to step back when they they feel too busy or stressed or they've worked too hard and you know, it gives them the opportunity to do that um i think the the sort of other side of it um from sort of our perspective is you know we're able to um allow people if they want to work longer they can work longer you know mm. i've certainly done 10 hour shifts before and that sort of stuff because you know i've felt fine you know i've been able to do it and i want to get some money in and we give people the capability to do that mm. Um, you know, sometimes that flexibility just just isn't in a model where you've got a much sort of more uh, fixed sort of staffing roster. You've got the ability to go up up a bit and down a bit, but you've got a group of people to keep happy, etc. I mean, we're very fortunate with a great customer base where we've got the work to, to spread out across people and you know make sure people are engaged but can dive in and dive out when they want to, um, whether it's economically driven or you know for, for personal reasons. Hmm. Do do you, on on that? Do you think there's still you mentioned about you know the um people's understanding of uber and bolt and lyft do you think there's still a well not still do you think there is a stigma associated with the the word gigs yet you know that's what we use to describe what we do i think there's probably probably a stigma associated with the gig economy i wouldn't right. say gig cx right just because we've got people who work for us that are delivering fantastic customer outcomes and doing it on a beach <laughs> yeah and, and they can do that connectivity you know that they're, they're handling digital they've got the right technical skills that they can go and do that yeah. it's fine for us it's fine for the customer it's all about outcome and so that's the way we, we back ourselves as a business as well and mm. um, i think um 
it's a little different to um, to industries where, as part of that gig work, you've got to go to a physical location, perhaps in you know the catering or hospitality world, zero hours contract type stuff, um, or you know maybe when you when you're obviously having to drive and you know you can't go and drive and be sat by the beach the whole time or in the countryside, you're typically in a city centre and everything else, and that's when I think we just need to be conscious around um, what we're doing in the CX landscape, the CX world mm. and the opportunities that that's great for people. And maybe, you know, it's got all the flexibility, the benefits, the, the things that people are looking for, but perhaps some of the things that some people out there in society might associate with gig work that doesn't necessarily, you know, come part and parcel of gig CX. Cause it, you know, we've got the capability to deploy remotely. We've got the capability for, people to work whenever they want to work um, because of the world of, you know, fantastic world of connectivity and platforms these days. And that's the bit where I think we need to continue just to educate the market. I wouldn't say consumers necessarily, but I think certainly the market customers, you know, influencers out there in the market about the, the model and why perhaps the word gig is, you know, got slightly different connotations than you might uh, anticipate and think about when you're talking about ride sharing apps and that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, the, the the for me the um, gig has people's brains go to one area. Yeah. Everyone because nobody listening to this or in the modern world won't have had some engagement with. Uh, It'll all be changed after this podcast, though, Chris. It'll all be sorted. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'd have we'd have we'd have clarified the big the big stuff. But uh, whether they've had they've, they've stayed in Airbnb or. They've had a ride share or they had food delivered or well, you know, whatever it was. You know, the, 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 so everyone's got a relationship. Everyone's a customer. Everyone's got some form of relationship with it. But the, there is obviously a lot of press around how, frankly, all different models have been abused over time. You know, fixed models, outsourcing models, work at home models. There's always people or companies that will try and push the boundaries to certain areas. And some gig uh, companies out there saw it as a way to get effectively people working full time without having to pay uh, the additional on costs and stuff like that now so that we would call that bad gig right that's yeah. just abuse of the system and that's why we created our good gig thing but that's for another topic we're not here to um sell our good gig marketing brochure just yet anyway maybe that's a topic for the next one <laughs> i think um i think i think the bit for me in the cx industry is about flexibility because you, know, you get to a certain point in life you You've done all right. Yeah, you know, you um you, know, you pay for your bank account, you've been a customer of your cable TV provider for X number of years, and they tell you you're a platinum customer. When I do need to call them, I'm still sitting waiting. Mm. I will not name the bank I am with, but they have had system problems for the last five years, from what I can tell, because their front end IVR constantly says we've got experiencing system problems and unseasonably high call volume. I mean, how at what point does unseasonably high call volume become the norm? Yeah. You know, when it's been like that for 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Because, you know, it, it, for me, it, you know, it's a front-end throwaway that people, I'd say, lazily put on IVRs to say, I'm really terribly sorry. And, you know, and then be, be nice to our, our staff. You know, be kind to them. Well, I always am, always with contact centre agents because I've done that myself and I know what a hard job it can be. I'm always, you know, polite and, you know, respectful and, you know, make sure I, you know, I give them back what they're giving me. I just sort of question sometimes, you know, it's easy for a business to say, be nice to your customers, be nice to you, be nice to the employees. 
the best way to do that would be make sure you've got enough staff, enough flexibility in your operating model. So customers aren't having to wait 45 minutes, an hour to speak to someone. You know, somewhat you have other channels, you have other capabilities, you have easy, intuitive ways. Um, you know, whether it's simple stuff like, you know, the wait's 45 minutes. Do you want us to call you back? Yes, please. Thanks very much. We'll call you back in 45 minutes. Happy days, no problem at all. When you when I sit on an IVR and say it's a 45 minute wait, and I'm sitting there going, I've now got to wait 45 minutes. By the time I finish that 45 minutes, I am not in a mood to chit chat. <laughs> I'm no. not in a mood to be nice to people. And that for me is where where gig comes in around really leveraging that global model, really providing flexibility and helping organizations sort of future-proof themselves and just get away from that that brand impacting rhetoric and perception that you're implanting in customers' heads when they contact you mm. about the fact that, oh, goodness me, isn't it always painful? And, and the, the flexibility that comes with it, as you mentioned, which is you know, if we continue, so often, uh, you know, we, we use different ways to describe what, what um, our market is and what it does, but uber is a great way to describe actually what uh how flexible a it works within a contact center environment so you know the, the analogy of comparison there is that in an old world you would have taxi drivers who are on a salary and they you say that we need you know this let's say it's heathrow airport right we say right there's 100 flights coming in over the next two hours yeah so we need 30 of you to work that shift and your salary go go and do it and then there's 500 flights coming because some yep. have been diverted or yep. or 100 only turn up because some of those have been diverted and then you've got too many drivers or not enough drivers yep. and then one other the two things get affected either the bottom yep. line people are spending too much money or customer service and people have to wait too long to get in a taxi and that you know i, I often use this phrase because i get i get personally frustrated with technology and things that don't work properly right and yep. i have this Phrase at the moment, my, I use it a lot at the moment, which is, uh, <laughs> I was looking. Uh, so we we we've just managed to using this this James Webb telescope, we've been able to capture images that happened 6.2 billion light years ago. We've yeah. been able to, we've looked we've looked back into distance 6.2 billion light years ago. But I can't get through to a contact center within half an hour. No. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> there's, there's definitely something wrong there. There's definitely something wrong. There's something wrong there. Now, of course, you're not using those people who are making the, the telescope yeah. to do stuff, but just the yeah. principle of how you know, these things, this massive advancements in some areas, but sometimes it's the most basic things that can cause the most angst of, of yeah. wrong people. And, when... and, and the key kick here as well, because is not only does it impact your brand, because I, I, I haven't got a good word to say for my bank, and I've been with them years. Yeah. And, you know, I supposedly I'm a premier customer and all that sort of stuff, and I pay yeah. for it. Yeah, the, and the team I speak to are brilliant. Mm. Their infrastructure, their systems, you know, the 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 capability they have to handle demand at certain times is just fundamentally lacking. And for me, that inherently drives my opinion of that brand and that organisation. Um, and I'm sure it does lots of other consumers because I don't think I'm unusual. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not particularly. You know, um, I, I'd like to think I'm sort of down the middle in most things, down the middle politically, you know, down the middle in sort of socially, you know, all that sort of stuff. Just not, not saying I'm a liberal. Not on the golf course. Not on the golf course. Very the opposite on the golf course. But more about the fact that, you know, the, the, the extremities of life are, and, and are always something that causes problems for society generally. And we've got to try and, you know, build bipartisanship. We've got to try and work together. We've got to try and come together as a society. Um I always sort of jokingly reference, you know, what Earth needs is an actually an alien attack. 
because it's probably the thing that would bring us together, you know, and stop us bickering like kids between different nations and stuff. God forbid it never happens. But, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you need that unifying force um, because then you sort of stop worrying about the, the, the rubbish you're dealing with day to day and you start thinking about the bigger picture. And I don't want to sort of get too highfalutin about things, but, you know, that, that, that model about, you know, when I when I contact an organization and that experience just, you know, they're just fun. They're fun, fundamentally letting their employees down, all right, because they're not setting them up for success. And hey, guess what? You can only let your employees down so long before they say thanks very much. I'm going to go somewhere else. And that, yeah. you know, then it becomes this virtuous circle where the business, every CX operation globally, just constantly chases their tail. Mm. You know, and it's just constantly, you know, throw stuff in the top end because stuff's flying out the bottom end because the middle just is never quite right. And and that's the bit for me where I'm not trying present us as the silver bullet the, the panacea to all these ills but you know what we and businesses like ours can do is is provide that flexibility using our you know our global crowd and we are a truly global business across you know 40 50 countries now um we've got the capability to to really help businesses when those pinch points come but do it in a super flexible up and down way that they can't physically do with a lot of their traditional sort of cx partners hmm. so what um advice so bear in mind we don't want to make this a sales pitch but with your experience Not very good at selling chris as you know <laughs> well, you, you've got a job here uh is is um if you, you talk how would you describe encourage somebody sorry to think about this and um, what advice would you give them to you know internally to, in order to think about gig cx as a viable uh, model for their business. So come up, maybe answer that from your experience from, you know, being, you know, first ever job, literally and running into a contact center with headset on, and then the years you've spent in the outsourcing world, come at it from that perspective. How would you advise someone? How would you kind of articulate it and, 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 and yeah, and give them a, some, some encouragement to do it? Yeah. And I'd say, as I ran into that contact center with my ponytail swinging, um, did you have a ponytail? Did have a ponytail? Yeah. <laughs> There's one or two colleagues I'm still linked in with who remember those days as well. So <laughs> hopefully they won't comment. Um, mm. I, I certainly did. Um, and um, I, um, you know, if I, if I look at the, the first thing I'd say is I think lots of industries globally are like a pyramid, and you know what the the the, the sort of the, the big guys at the top, those big global um, sort of industry behemoths whether it's in the tech space or you know other other industries what they do tend to fill always whether it's technology adoption innovation mm. tools you know approaches you know that always filters down into the mid-market and the enterprise yeah. market it yeah. then filters down eventually into the sme market many many yeah. years later you know it was, it was those sort of big guys the big banks insurers and tech companies that started this contact center model you know who doesn't have that now you know even down to you know, small businesses that will have two or three guys or girls, you know, sit, sitting with the capability to take inbound customer calls and it'll be a contact center of sort. So, so the first thing I'd say is um, those businesses that typically lead and are very, very successful, um, you know, very, very uh, sort of uh, famous across the globe, they're doing it. 
All right, that's the first thing I'd say. They Have are you got out- examples of what, what companies might be doing that, Ian? Can I name them? Is, is it okay to name them? Is it, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if I look at if I look at the likes of Microsoft are doing eBay, PlayStation, uh, people like you know Dell and Samsung and HP and these sort of customers, as well as some of the big you know FMCG organizations like L'Oreal and Unilever, you know, mm. all of them have got gig. CX, you know, with us, thankfully, but, um, you know, there are others out there doing it with, with other people, uh, less well. Um, and, um, and those guys, um, those guys are doing it because they see the inherent advantages it brings to their operating model. Mm. It sees the fact that it allows them flexibility, allows them to tap into a truly global talent pool. It allows them to flex up and flex down intra-hour, intra-day, intra-week, month, whatever time frame they're looking at. Um, so that that's the first thing I'd say. And... Um, I think we often look at those organizations that really do innovate, do, you know, sort of globally succeed as the organizations that that lead the pack in the way, you know, operating models look and feel. They typically also got lots of expensive consultants who work for them as well, who help advise them. So it's almost like looking at those sort of guys, you've got the ability to tap into their experience, the direction they're taking the market, um, and the probably expensive advice they've had in what that future cx operating model looks like and you can almost you know you can almost almost grab that for free and say let's have a look at it um i think it's also super easy to test um you know and mm. i think the way the way we've set the business up and you know is, is the fact that you, you can go deeply integrated you know and all that sort of stuff that involves tech work on both sides and everything else you can also put it completely standalone we've got big customers that are doing that um and it allows them to to go and test something in a really controlled environment really quickly um, you know, our, our model of live in five, I mean, says it all. That's not five years or five months. Or, you know, it, it's it's about, you know, a few weeks to get, get them up mm. and running. Um, mm. And that says everything about the speed that you can operate at. And then it's really easy to, to incrementally grow that as you start looking at customer intents and those intents that best yeah. this sort of model. So, so it's not something where perhaps historically without sourcing, you've got to go, right, I need to go and find 500 FTEs of work and put it out through tender and all that sort of stuff. You don't need to do that. You know, you can carve out little segments of activity and very quickly see, realize, and demonstrate the value of what we do and gig CX and that sort of flexible uh, sort of sort of expert community that we can draw on, um, and it allows you then to to build business cases as a as a, as a stakeholder in a in an enterprise or a mid market organisation, and very clearly show tangible commercial and operational benefits of implementing this type of model. So mm-hmm. just say it's super easy to consume and look at, and that's the bit that I think sometimes. Perhaps people have a view of it's going to be big, complex, long. Mm-hmm. I've got to go and find a chunk of work. I've got to go and pull it from an in-house or another vendor. Don't need to do any of that. You, know, you might want to do that over time when we, you know, we demonstrate the credibility and capability we've got. But short term, it's something you can you can go and take a bite of really quickly and easily. Yeah, I, mean, I like the um, so fundamentally because because the the GigCX model removes um, the sunken costs to do with uh, time when people aren't productive management it infrastructure buildings training and all those are costs that have to get rolled up into cx cloud because um, the x cloud in its absolute purest yeah uh so uh, our model is is cheaper because you remove all those things but 
frankly, a little piece of me dies whenever I hear it's just because it's a it's a cheaper model. Because if everything, if it was just a race to how to make things cheaper, then we're on the same set of train tracks as those organisations that are trying to push all of their contacts into lower cost labour markets or trying to automate everything. Uh, it by design creates something that's cheaper, but but not because we're trying to race to the bottom. It's because you remove all of the things that don't need to get charged for. Yeah. So that, but the two things it does provide, which is where people should get excited, in my humble opinion, uh, is firstly the flexibility, like yeah. I mentioned, which is that uh, innate ability. If I go back to my Uber analogy, to be able to allow flights to come into Heathrow and them being diverted from another airport or for them not to come in there and you don't have to change anything because that set of uber drivers in our world you know, gig experts are able to turn up to do the work or not turn up to do the work and nobody gets penalized and nobody you know has any any issues with doing that uh that you can't do in a in a rigid model whether that rigid yeah. model is in-house or outsourced it's still yeah. a rigid model it's still yeah. got those you know hours that people need to work so that in, in its own creates something that ultimately will benefit customers if if whatever happens covid was a great example where all of a sudden there's a massive influx and you're not then having to program your rvrs to automatically say you know we're really busy right now well i've had that message for five years that stuff so flexibility the other one is is, is where i'm curious to continue to explore is whether the the benefit of this actually sits outside of the contact center operation and it's this it's sometimes this thing that feels a bit like you can't touch it it's a bit like a mist which is around brand loyalty and customer advocacy yeah because you can't metricize that it not not easily it's something you'd have to measure over a long period of time to say over a huge test it's one of those things where you know you got a, two sets of people and we said we fed this one this one we fed this one over like two years we managed to yeah. this person had this health benefit and this one didn't it's one of these things that's so hard to tangibilize but it instinctively feels a better thing to do and everybody can relate to this because we're all customers of brands and, yeah. and the killer question is would you rather talk to someone who's got your product or would you rather talk to someone that doesn't have your product yeah. and yeah. as long as they're able to provide the same level of 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 customer service standard i.e the pleasantries and this following a, a guideline um and being able to ask them if they've, they've answered your question what you get on top is is the answer to that problem which is we want to you know, businesses spend gazillions on marketing which is to bring new customers in uh, and to advertise new products but it's very hard to to demonstrate how many of them are actually coming in by virtue of all of those different advertising whether yeah. it's a bus or a billboard or a tv advert or whatever it might be but when you when you can you can actively say well you can put some substance behind this phrase because i hear this phrase all the time which is we put our customers at the heart of everything we do and there's normally a full stop yeah and then you go then you try and contact the contact center or you try and do something it's just innately difficult yeah you know, problems in the way and that stuff so um from a from a uh, rather than this being from a contact center customer service perspective yeah. is this coming from the marketing team which is we we are uh, bringing on our own customers facilitated by our customer service teams to uh, help our other customers of inquiries and and that does a, a brilliant thing for us because it's 
is getting our customers talking to our customers, but that's going to create more loyalty. Those customers are far less likely to leave us. Therefore, far more likely to talk to their friends and family about us. So yeah. you get that that whole you know, yeah. brand advocacy thing. And you can actually put, so you can say, oh, it feels, not only does it feel instinctively right, but it, it, it you can put some facts and figures behind it. So I think the, you know, so from what I, from what you picked up is you, flexibility, absolutely, uh, the CSAT the of cost. But do, do you think there's also something there, which is if we're giving somebody advice on how to think about this in a model is to involve the part of the business that's responsible for the acquisition of new customers and the retention of, of existing ones? So a, a 10,000 million percent. I mean, we, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, it's quite a lot. I'm quite, yeah. quite strong on that one. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to sit on the fence here. All right. I'm going to be going to come out either way. You said you were straight down the middle, I'm but you're not, not. I'm actually left or right. <laughs> Taking my golfing analogy there. Um, Chris, I, I agree just because I see the people who work in our crowds for, for our yeah. customers um, and they are experts they are passionate about the brand they you know have an inherent intrinsic emotional connection to the organization and its products i mean that's probably most you know ably typified by you know the, the relationship lots of people have got with apple devices mm. um, because of the sort of role it plays in their life but you know people have the same you know passion around you know playstation i know my 12 year old son certainly does you mm. know around you know microsoft devices and microsoft infrastructure and operating systems yeah you know, and you, you, you've got people out there who are who are really engaged and passionate and excited about this type of stuff. And it gives them an opportunity, perhaps historically, where they wouldn't want to necessarily dive into a contact center environment and work in that sort of sort of place where they, they can go and you know, pick and choose what they do and how they do it. And if I look at, I mean, you know, I think every marketing team in the world is always wrestling with customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value, you yeah. know, and those sort of core metrics that every lots of, businesses are valued on and, and all of those sort of things um, and I think any piece of work is cross-functional I mean it's ultimately the, the CX teams that, that deliver it and own it but you know we work with marketing teams regularly because they've ultimately and often got the the, the capability to go and reach into their into their communities mm. into their user bases and and we've had some customers, I think, initially that have said, oh, you know, that's a bit of a scary prospect, you know, going to our customers and saying, can you help other customers? And then you see six months later, the complete mind shift <laughs> they've had yes. where they've seen it work mm -hmm. and they've seen those customers that are helping. You know, because for me, it creates a it creates a, a totally different dynamic with the business and its, and, it, and its customer. It's no longer one way. This is customer buying off the business. This is business buying off the customer. <laughs> you know, that that's truly symbiotic relationship. It's a little bit like, you know, you're, you're clownfishing, you're an enemy. You know, one relies on the other. Um, and that, that for me, that's, how can that not strengthen relationships? How can that not say we want to deliver a better customer experience and we want to do it by using you at times because we think you're brilliant. You know our products inside out. You're passionate about them. You know, you've engaged with Limitless to, you know, be part of their global community. You know, that that for me feels like a no-brainer. Can I sit and put some hard metrics around how that improves brand advocacy in a year or two years' time? I can't. I just I just can't see how it how it has the opposite effect. No. I just can't see how, you know, that doesn't have an impact where, you know, you're sitting there saying, this business is actually trying to take its CX seriously by using people that are not not they found in the street, 
not it's because they're based within a half an hour commuting radius of a particular location. Yeah. You know, this is about I've gone out across the world and found these people in whatever country they're in because they're passionate, they're committed, they're knowledgeable. They've got a mindset of wanting to help. And they mm. also want some flexibility in how they work. That, for me, says so much about, you know, a brand and say so much about the way they're trying to operate with their customers. Because what it also does to their traditional contact center estates as well is it takes pressure off those guys as well. Mm. Yeah, so it's it, there's, there's lots of wins here, lots of wins. But, I mean, fundamentally, I don't think it can have anything but a positive impact on someone's brand perception and their propensity to buy in the future when they see a business that is trying to use their passionate community of you existing users to help new people to help them with their adoption their use of user journey help them when they've got a problem you know surely that's got to be talking about this bipartisan approach to the world of us all coming together to help each other you know that for me is a, a classic example in the cx world well no surprises we don't need any convincing of this but um oh. hopefully, hopefully there's some nuggets in there for people yeah. to take away. some good stuff in there around the uh, you know, kind of what, what challenges there have been in the industry um, and certainly what the, like you, you mentioned, when people do this and then in six months' time, their mind just completely shifts and then it yeah. becomes, a, why didn't we do this earlier? But I know, you know, we're, we're going to say things like that because uh, we're in we're at the coalface, so to speak. But fascinating chatting. We could go on forever, as, as, um, as, as always, but um, there's some great stuff there. Hopefully people have got some uh, useful tidbits out of all that. Uh, and we'll be back next time with more industry leading perspectives on this world of gig sex and i'll help uh, help the conversation flow but for now ian thank you for your time and uh, i'll see you in the office when you're back thanks guys all the best Cheers. Cheers.